Welcome to The Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to The Corner. The Olympics may be the oldest known international sports competition, but its content strategy and capture mechanics have had to evolve with time to stay relevant. Today, we're happy to receive Benny Bunsu, Director of Daily Content for the Olympic Channel. In this new Corner episode, she tells us what it's like to structure international daily content around the numerous sports covered in the Olympics movement and the stories that come alongside it. Have a pleasant listening. Welcome, everybody. Very happy to welcome you for a new Look Corner International episode. Today, we're welcoming Benny Bunsu. And actually, what I'll do is I'll let you, Benny, introduce yourself and the organization that you work for. So my name is Benny Bunsu. I am the director of daily content for Olympics.com, which is part of the Olympic Channel Services as part of the International Olympic Committee. Terrific. And we were just discussing before before starting to re- record how it was a small sports world. Um, we actually exchanged the first time while you were doing your MBA with the IMD a, a few months back. Uh, and since then, I see you all over the press. You're all over the sports industry. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, well, you know, it's been a very, very, very busy period. You know, we've had back-to-back games, you know, Paris, Tokyo, Um, but also throughout, you know, you have the flame to flame. So you're part of the leaders under 40. You're part of the sports pro new era of leaders. Um, tell us a, l- a little bit more about this journey of continuously being part of the sports ecosystem. Keep educating yourself. Keep being part of those larger groups. Um, tell us where you where all of that comes from. You know, it's it's really, really important. My journey into sports is very different to, to most people. Um, sports always been a part of me. I started doing sports at the age of 10. I went to a secondary school that all we did, we do maths, English, science, and then you do sports. You know, I'm even surprised I didn't become an athlete, um, to be fair. Um, but in doing that, you know, I went into education, very passionate about education and young people. But I also knew that sports has always been something that I'll end up in. Um, I went in through to broadcasting. Um, and now I'm here. But also what was important is that when I first started broadcasting, there wasn't many women like me in the sports industry, especially in the UK, and especially being a woman of color. Um, so that meant I didn't have a lot of mentors. I didn't have people that I could go to who could give me advice on what to do, what not to do. Um, but what I did have is that I had a lot of allies, you know, so someone like Andy Curran, who at the time was the managing director for Sky Sports in the UK, who would, you know, pull me aside and say, look, you've got incredible talent. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, you know, keep going. You know, and he became almost like a father figure for me in sports. But I also realized that with the door opened for me, I have a responsibility to open it for others, especially women. And not just women of color, but women from all walks of life. So for me, you know, I think I was I won the leaders under 40 in 2019. 
because of the work that I've done across the board. Um, ever since I got my first opportunity at the BBC, you know, I'd always try and bring somebody else in or mentor another person. Um, and I've done that from my whole career. So that was really important for me once I got the um, leaders under 40, use that opportunity to educate more women, but also get more allies. And if you're going to change things, the allies has to be men, you know, because they are in the room. And if yep. I'm the only one in the room, it doesn't make sense. I need to get them as allies to get more of us in the room. So, you know, this, you know, the sports for a new era, great opportunity to actually train the next leaders within the industry, you know, pull them up, tell them what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, but also an opportunity for me to learn from the younger, um, younger people. They're not even young because I'm still young, but I'm learning from the younger, that, you know, what they're doing and what I also need to learn. Um, and for me, this is really, really important. So every time I get the opportunity, you know, I do go and mentor, I do share the knowledge. I also take the opportunity to, to learn. Um, yeah. And then what I learn, I also make sure I'm implementing within my team, within OCS um, and what we do, our Olympics.com. Because, you know, when I say this all the time, in coming into the industry the way I did, um, I got to this responsibility that I didn't ask for, but it's a responsibility I have to take seriously because as a woman of color within this position, there isn't many of us. So people yeah. look at you kind of, look, you are representing all of us. And unfortunately, unfortunately and unfortunately for me, yeah. you know, I was born in Africa. I was raised in the UK and then I do a lot in the US. So I have a whole group of people that yeah. are like, you're repping for us. So you need to, you need to make sure, you know, you're getting things right, but most importantly, you're shining the light on us. So for me, every time I get the opportunity to share the knowledge, learn, I'm going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's transmission and that, that, that whole side of things where it's a moving industry, but a slow moving industry in terms of gender equality. Uh, but we'll get back to it a little bit later down the road, um, if that works for you. Um, and just in terms of your sport. So you spent a long time working for the NBA uh, in multiple ways. Uh, and you're also part of the board of directors of Basketball England. Did you just get attached to basketball in general? Or was it really where you were coming from and, <laughs> and where you wanted to work? Um, I, like I told you, I started doing sports at the age of 10. Um, yeah. By the age of 12, I was already part of our local sports, um, sports organization, Haringey Sports Development. Um, and then my my cousins and my my siblings, um, also heavily in basketball, got scholarships and went on to the States and, you know, even went on to play in the NBA. Um, when the NBA first came into the UK, you know, I was one of the first people they reached out to to help them build, you know, you know, where should we put our offices? Who do we need to be working with? You know, what do we do to activate within the UK? And, you know, they, they had the, um, they had uh, one of their team members actually come to my school <laughs> to meet yeah. me, to take me to lunch, to have this conversation. So that's where we all started, helping the MBA establish themselves in the UK. But also how do we then start telling the stories? Who should we be, we be working with? Which media outlets should we be talking to? Who are the people that are active in basketball in the community? So yep. that's where we all kicked off. And I've always been part of it. So from NBA UK to NBA Europe to NBA Africa, you know, it's really helping grow the brand and talking about the brand and what they, they want to do and achieve. And Basketball England, it was a natural progression because when I was way younger and I was in education, um, the area in which I grew up in Tottenham, there wasn't many things for young people to do 
out of school hours. So I started a basketball club at the time called the Holmes Basketball Academy. And what it was is that the kids would come to, to me after school and I'll coach myself, my younger brother at the time, sadly, who's passed away, Benson. We started this basketball club that allowed young people to come train, yeah. also learn leadership skills and also mentoring. Um, and we did that for many years. And I was one of those people that used to sit on the side and, you know, talk about the fact that the basketball England is not doing enough. <laughs> they need to do more, you know, and I was criticizing. And then, you know, the, the basketball players in London were like, Benny, you're the only person that can change things. Like, you need to join the board. And at yeah. the time, I was like, I'm not joining the board. You're not doing this. They're not doing that. They're like, yeah, but you're telling us we can't do anything to change it. <laughs> the only thing where you can change you it. You go in there. You go, you in, go there. in there. Because if you go in there, you can fight with them. Yeah. Like, you're right. So <laughs> I went in for my interview. And I remember, you know, at the time, the, the lady that was the chair for Basketball England, her name is Claire Wardle, who was one of the um, senior consoles for Coca-Cola. Yeah. And, you know, white white lady older, and I walked in, you could see the smile on her face. And she was like, why do you want to join Basketball England board? And I said, first of all, you're the only woman. Second of all, you're the only white woman. And third of all, all the men sitting here are old white men. Like, we need to balance you this out. fresh blood in here. Yeah, and they all looked at me and just started laughing. I said, I don't mean to offend, but you people do not reflect the people playing basketball in the streets. I said, yeah. I do, and I think you need me on this board. So yeah. obviously we go through the process of sharing my experience and why I'm passionate about this and you know, let them know I'm from I'm from the street. I've grown up with these young people. I know the issues that they're facing and this is why I'm here. You know, you don't get paid to be on the board. You're on the board because you're passionate about the sports. But most importantly, what the sports brings to the community. You know, the basketball community is not just a sport. It's a whole culture, you know. And if you want to be part of the culture, you actually need to reflect the people you're serving. Um, so you know, I joined it and I've been on it now for almost five, five, six years. And it's the best decision I ever made because, you know, the young people can relate to to me and share what their concerns are. And I can take those concerns to the board and say, look, this is what's happening. And it allows me to also educate them on what they need to be doing better um, and where we, you know, what we need to listen to, the changes that we need to make. And it's something I am extremely passionate about because basketball you know people like to say it's the second most popular sport in the UK I think it's first but to be fair football you know has more money so <laughs> we'll take second is <laughs> the first time I would argue something you say I would say that football has a has a significant head start in the UK but uh <laughs> ready to be challenged on that one no but look I mean uh, from my perspective so First things first, I love the entrepreneurial mindset. You can tell from your journey that you have that entrepreneurial mindset and that will fit in well with once we start discussing about your OCS activities because a lot of it is actually how to change something that has not been working uh, inside the IOC of how you tell a story from one event to the other. And so it means change. It means that mindset. So that's super interesting. Um, but it's, it's still good to hear that when people want it, you can actually penetrate those environments and actually bring a significant change. Um, so it's good to hear that it's happening. However slow it is, it's good to hear that you did manage to get in that room and get some sort of importance and, you know, be there and have been there for five years and, and, and bringing that change because there is an element of, there's still a huge gap between indeed the day-to-day -day sports actors that are the, the, um, for the most part, um, uh, uh, people that do it as a hobby uh, versus who are who are directing the sport, which is 
you know, inevitably old, uh, old white men uh, at all levels of any sport for the time being. I mean, you know, basketball England were not perfect by any chance, but where we were five years ago and where we are now are two different totally organizations. You know, when I first went in, it was an organization that was very scared and timid about challenging people's views and opinions on what was going on. And the fact is, Basketball England at that time, five years ago, was doing incredible work, but we were not so loud about it. We were very quiet because we would always be attacked. You know, we're not like NBA. We should be doing more. We need. But you, you are comparing us to the United States, where basketball is part of the DNA. This is what they do, right? Yep. England, we're not at that level, but we are at a level where we can be proud of it and know that we can put things in place to grow. Yep. Right. So five years later, you know, when we do something that's good, let people know, you know, we've done this. We've built this amount of courts. We have this amount of clubs. We have this amount of teams competing at European level. We have this amount of young people that are in the States, in colleges. We have this amount of young people that have come from basketball England that have gone into the NBA. We have to be proud, whether it's small, whether it's medium, whether it's big. We have yep. to be proud about the journey that we're traveling because the journey never ends. All we can do is get better. We'll make mistakes, but we'll learn from the mistakes and do better. And it was so important for us, and especially me. You know, I would fight with everybody on the board. You know, they, every time I'd go in, the, the men would be like, oh, she's back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, you need to do this. We can't be quiet and hide in the background because it is important that we let people understand what it is that we're trying to do. But most importantly, we have to engage with the community, the basketball community, for them to have an input. That's the only way we're going to grow. Yeah, and that's a good point because I, I have to do the parallel with the BBL and 777 investing in the league and then in London Lions and then overall the, the, the professionalization of the league. How correlated do you think those actions and this change in the mindset have been in starting to exploit a bit better the potential of, a, of England. I mean, it's better than where it was. You know, B, 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 BBL, you know, I used to say to some of the players that I grew up with, I'm like, you must well get a job <laughs> because you're not getting money that's yeah. going to sustain you and your family, you know, because we're not there. And simply because, and it's not the player's fault because we didn't have the resources, we didn't have the knowledge. Yes, mm -hmm. we have the players, but are our players as good as they are in Europe? Are they as good as they are in America at that time? No. We have one or two or three that were incredible athletes, but they are not at that level because they don't have the resources to be at that level. You know, 7-7 has come in. You look at London Lions, where London Lions were five years ago. It's a totally new team. You know, yeah. the only reason why I loved basketball growing up back in the day, because we had a team called the London Towers. London Towers was great. The sponsorship yeah. was on point. They were playing at, at Crystal Palace. I used to live in Tottenham, okay. North London. And I used to get a bus all the way to South London just to watch London Towers, you know. And my mom never knew where I was. <laughs> But I'd be in South London, jumping the fences just to go watch these games and come home in the middle of the night. She's just like, yeah. athletics training was this long? <laughs> like, yeah. But, um, you know, The, the distance that basketball has traveled over the years till now, it is great that 7-7 is in the UK. What they're doing with the BBL and also um, London Lions is fantastic. Trying to be in Europe is fantastic, but also how they're working 
with Basketball England, how you're working with the other teams shows the progress in which you're trying to make when it comes to women and men. So for me, we're not perfect. We're probably yeah. never going to be, you know, like Real Madrid basketball team, but we are on the journey and we will get there eventually. Yeah. Yeah, and there, there, there's been progress uh, in, in multiple leagues, but there, there's still it still feels like there's a lot of potential to untap uh, in basketball in Europe overall. Yeah. Um, but interesting, and I wanted to finish by that by by that this side of things, but um, but it's super interesting to deep dive directly into it. Um, but so moving to your OCS journey, um, so help help our audience understand a little bit what are the challenges, what you're looking to do as o OCS really that strategy that happens between the Olympics, how you have the biggest sports event in the world, but that happens every four years, or you could challenge the fact that the, the Olympics on the, the winter Olympics are also a big event. Um, but tell us a little bit, what's the strategy behind OCS and how, what is your role within that strategy? So um, OCS, Olympic Channel Services was launched In 2016, um, I joined the organization um, two and a half, almost two and a half, just over two and a half years ago as the director of daily content. And my responsibility is all the content you see across the different um, Olympic platforms. Um, you're right. You know, we have Olympics every four years. We have Winter Olympics in between, also a big event. Um, and then people forget we also have the Youth Olympics, Winter and Summer Games. Which, um, are so big, uh, which are pretty big events as well. They're, they're huge. They're huge yeah. because they're literally the future stars of the Olympics. Um, and for us, you know, we take every single one of them very seriously and we give them the same light we give every single one of them. Um, for, for us at olympics.com, you know, the work never stops. And that's the challenge that we have. You know, so I think some people forget that, you know, when the Summer Olympics is over, people just go away and then they come back four years later. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, we call it flame to flame and literally covering all the events. And the, the, the challenging, but also the most amazing thing about it is for us, the Olympics, is that we cover every sport, you know, from equestrian, yep. table tennis, to archery, fencing, basketball, football, all of it. We do every single one of them. So break dancing now. Break dancing, climbing, BMX, you know, so it's, it's ne it never stops for us. The, yeah. the, you know, the challenge that I have is kind of, you know, how do we then grow our platform? How do we, you know, take the authority when it comes to Olympics? When people type in Olympics on Google, two and a half years ago, three years ago, you might see NBC come on top or BBC, you know, no. We want to be number one when you search us. And if you go on there now, you see it because of the work that we've been doing behind the scenes. Because for us, it is important for us to have a content strategy that hits all the different audiences, from the young people to the millennials to the older um, audiences. It is important that especially everyone that loves sports, we should be your number one destination for sports because we're bringing you the stories of these incredible athletes from around the world. So for us, you know, the challenges is be everywhere. Yep. But also the opportunity is telling every story from every continent, um, which I absolutely love doing with our incredible team that we have, uh, you know, at OCS. My boss, who's Mary Bryan, who's the editor-in-chief, incredible, incredible woman. 
and our big boss, um, Yanis, um, who also oversees the Olympic Broadcasting Services. You know, our aim is to ensure we touch every single person when it comes to sports and especially the Olympic sports. And that's what for us or for me specifically in Olympics.com, we, we do. So it, it, it's never sleeping for me. Never. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So a couple of points. You said one of your strategy is to be everywhere. So how how do you try to be everywhere having a strategy where you need users to come back to olympics.com so that olympics.com comes top of mind as a place to go consume content around any sport between the events and then also get the reach, go grab the users on different social media platforms. So how do you coordinate such a big strategy, understanding that there's so many sports, so many potential sources of content, yet it's hard to gather all the content from all those different sources and organize it in a proper way? Tell us how you start going about it. Man, uh, it's a more... Um, it's- a numbers game, um, but it's understanding the numbers game. You know, you look at the world map and you look at your priority markets, you know, so we know, for example, India is a big market for us. Japan is a big market for us. US is a big market for us. UK and certain parts of Europe are big markets for us. It's understanding that what works within those markets and then understanding what sports work within those markets. What kind of audience are we getting? Are we getting... Are we retaining our audiences? Are we getting new audiences? What kind of stories do we have to tell in the different markets? So it's not a strategy, one strategy for everybody. It's different strategies for the different priority markets. So I spend a lot of my time with our data team, you know, insights and understanding what is going on. What's going on in the States when it comes to gymnastics, when it comes to basketball, when it comes to football? You know, perfect example, when I go to um, Olympics Channel Services, Football and basketball wasn't a you know a big thing for us, right? We know that it works in certain times, but certain times it doesn't work. Basketball is huge for us during summer games. Out of that, we can't penetrate it because NBA Euroleague is huge. How do you even penetrate that, right? So we did we did the learnings. We started the learnings two years ago, two year, two and a half years later. We are doing very well with basketball. Why? Because we've established our audiences. When it comes to historical data, they come to us. When it comes to listicle, they come to us. When the big competitions are going on, they want to know, you know, where it is, when it is, who is playing, historical facts. They want to come to us. But most important, when it comes to feature stories about key athletes, they also come to us. So they also know for us, yes, NBA will cover the big names. EuroLeague will cover big names. Olympics.com, we will cover the athlete that nobody's talking about, but they have incredible journey. You know, let's talk about the South Sudan team who have qualified for the World Cup. If they make it in the World Cup and qualify for Paris, that's a huge story. But why are we excited about it? We wrote about them two years ago. We wrote about them a year ago. We're writing about them this year. We're following them. It is important that we're telling those stories and following that journey. And with that, you start to also tap into a different market because all of a sudden you're hitting Africa, then specifically South Sudan. All of a sudden you're bringing a whole new audiences that may not necessarily before be coming to Olympics to read about South Sudan's story, but now they can come because they know that we followed your story from the beginning. It's about understanding the priority markets. It's understanding what is, you know, what our content is doing about the priority markets. But it's also about being part of those communities. You know, are we part of the basketball community in South Sudan? Are we part of the basketball community in France? 
because ahead of Paris, it's also exciting for France. You know, France wants to be the U.S. in Paris. Uh, yep. We be part of that story. We want to be part of that story. But it's understanding where your work is doing good, building on that, but also understand where your work is not doing good and what you need to do to improve it. And that's based on insight, data, being on the ground and talking to people and understanding what they need and creating that 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 product for that market. Yeah. Trust me, as a French person, that opportunity in basketball that we have is the, probably the most exciting one for us in Paris 2024, <laughs> so fingers crossed there. Uh, but what you just expressed, though, there are so many micro elements in all of those, right? Because it's how do you actually decide to do a big format on that Sudan team and where you allocate the resource, meanwhile, still needing to capture a potential you know, let's say in the Philippines, also basketball is so popular. So how do you actually capture content from that region of the world so that you mix spotting out the right story that you think is going to have a lot of leverage feeding into that competition and making sure as they come to the competition and as people are typing on Google to learn more, they actually can refer to that OCS content that has been created. But meanwhile, there's all that volume of content that you need to get go elsewhere. How is your team structured? How, how many people are working on making those right decisions, on capturing the content? How do you allocate all those resources given the complexity? Um, we have a very um, extensive team. Um, you know, within our, we have a global team that focuses on the global markets. We also have a Paris-specific team that does nine, ten languages um, covering all the different priority markets for us. Um, so we have Chinese, French, Portuguese, um, Spanish. Um, sometimes we can translate in German. Um, we have we have a local team in um, India, local team in Japan. Um, we also have the Latin countries as well. You know, Brazil does really good for us. Um, so we have all those teams editorially. Then we have our data team that's responsible and understand that every single thing that's happening in different priority markets, but also examining and understanding what markets is not working for us and what we need to be doing to ensure we're hitting those markets. We then have our SEO team and their job, again, is finding those stories and how you're doing those titles, how you're doing the subheadings, making sure we're really drilling down every single piece of content that we're creating. Um, and then we have our, you know, our sports production team with the live team that do all our live events on our platform. Then we have our originals team. Um, originals team are specifically focused on doing original content, the long form, the short form. But what kind of story should we be telling? Mm-hmm. Paris, what kind of stories do we need to tell to, for Paris? What do we need to tell for the U.S.? What are we, what are we doing around Africa? You know, because Africa, again, biggest, youngest continent that we have. How do we tackle that market? And every single one of this team, we work very closely together. You know, for, for me, for example, on a weekly basis, I sit with the data and the SEO team and every single time I tell you, it's a numbers game. We're looking at the data every single time. What did this do for this market this week? What does this mean? You know, should we be doing more art? Should, should we be doing more previews? Should we be doing gamers every single time? Do we need to do how to watch? Or do we need to include features or can we take the features away and fig- and focus on the results article? What yeah. works? Um, so for us, that's how big the team is. But also in regards to kind of decision making is every single department coming together with the different knowledge that they've acquired to say, actually, 
this is the right decision to make or for this one we don't need to give all the resources to it but we can do certain things that we know will hit that audience we don't need to be 100 percent. but it's having all those people together to make that decision and that's how it may helps with what I do on a daily basis and having those conversations yep. and making those right decisions. We, do we always get everything right? Not all the time, but majority of the time, 99.9%, my team know what you're talking about, what you're doing on a daily basis. So it really yeah. does help. And actually, you're, you mentioning in the early stages, being on the ground, being close to the people, talking to the different people, I feel it's so important in that scenario. And I, I can't help but think, how closely do you work with the national Olympic committees, right? Because I'm thinking normally the local Olympic committees could, could help you in terms of driving, oh, we have a great story in track and field right now, or we have a great story in kayak where we think that this is going to be a huge opportunity. How closely do you work uh, with the national Olympic committees? Quite close. And a lot of the federations as well. So every single one of our producers is assigned a sport. You know, so if, let's say, Andrew has swimming, rugby, I expect Andrew to be part of the rugby and swimming community. So if they're, you know, he's always talking to the commerce person from the national organizing committee, always talking to a commerce person on the federation because they can tell him, look, this is an up and coming person. This person has a great, you know, great story, but it's also important for Andrew to attend events and be on the ground. So he's in there with the athletes, in there with the audience, talking to them to find out, you know, how the audience is feeling about this, how is the athletes feeling about this. So all around, we're part of the ecosystem of that sport. So, we, you know, the good thing for us, and I love this, is that for us at Olympics.com, we're not focused on writing the terrible news stories about athletes or an event. We're focused on the actual journey and the stories of those individuals. So for us, it is important that we're part of the community and understand the, the story that we want to tell to tap into that community even further. So yes, we work very closely with the national organizing committees. We work very closely with the federations to ensure we're telling the right stories, but we're also featuring the right athletes that have stories that will inspire um, yeah. our audiences as well. And are you in a position to help those those national committees in capturing content, right? Because one of the key elements, I'll give you a personal story, right? When I was uh, younger, I played with N'Golo Kante, <laughs> who now plays at Chelsea, right? And he was playing in our local club and everybody knew that he was going to be big. Nobody thought he was going to be that big, but he still became very big. And there's that element of when he was exploding and he was the coolest story in the sports industry, There were just no images around him, right? And it, it's football. And there was no images. And I'm thinking for all those good stories, how do you actually enable organizations to start capturing content at the early stages so that you document more and more those stories so that you have at stake multiple potential stories that you could go down to? How do you coordinate all that work? And can you have influence in coordinating it beyond the personal means that OCS puts as an organization? We organize. do. Every opportunity we get, we try and send um, people on the ground to get those pictures, to get those um, sit-down interviews. Because again, for us, it is important that we're part of the journey from the start. So if you look at athletes like Eileen Gu from the Youth Olympics, you know, Who's Eileen Gu at the Youth Olympics? And then compared to Eileen Gu in Beijing, megastar. She's everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, if you're looking, let's look at, let's talk about the South Sudanese team again. We're telling the story. Whether they make it to Paris or not, that's an upcoming team. They're going to do something special one day 
soon. They're already historic, right? Yeah. But we want to be, we don't want to be at the end of the story. We don't want to show up at the end and be like, give us an interview. I'm from Olympics.com. No, yeah. we want to start from the grassroots because we understand that in order for a story to be rich, you need to be part of the grassroots development of the person all the way throughout the journey. So we went to Dakar last year for the Dakar Anjou as part of the Dakar Youth Summer Olympics coming up in 2026. In Dakar, we're talking to future basketball stars that are going to play in Dakar 2026, but we're interviewing them yeah. in 2020, you know, 2022, some of the surface, some of the breakers. We have all this content because we know, and you know, we went with the head of this content needs to last us for the next two years. So we're there for 10 days and we're collecting this information and we're not leaving it to two years to write the story. We're telling the story now. So yeah. if a year from now, two years from now, somebody goes in and types in, I don't know, Alex Sa um, Sorrell. Alex Sorrell was on Olympics.com three years ago. Yeah. That's what we want. We want to be part of the community from the start to the end, not at the end. Because at the end, there's nothing Everybody's interesting to there. Talk. There's a big competition. And yeah, the eyeballs are already lost. Yeah. Um, yeah, super interesting. And the, the whole notion of journey is funny because you keep mentioning it, but one of my good friends from university is actually working in NBA Africa. And it was really one of the things that he wanted to do. And I'm thinking his journey now that NBA Africa is alive. And back 10 years ago when he said, I want to go help my my home country to grow in, in, in sports, the journey is incredibly exciting compared to just Now that I see him having impact on the NBA Africa development, I'm like, it's too late to tell a good story. But if you had captured the content all along the way, that's when the great stories are written. Yeah, uh, it is. It is. Um, I can't emphasize it enough. And I base it on my journey, but also my experience of being a teacher. Like, you have to be part of that journey from the start. I've seen so many young people, and it's even me, my story, and I always put it this way. I could have been one of those young people that you see on the side of the streets in Africa that is selling water to tourists that are coming into Africa. But I'm here now. But if I'm to tell you my whole story from beginning to now, that's yeah. an incredible story. Nobody yeah. would have pictured this. And I remember saying this at 2012 when I was working in a London Olympics. I was like, I'm going to work for the organization one day. And I remember my team, so everybody laughed, including me. I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I also laughed, but I'm and now here. here. You are. You know, here we are. And now, yes. I'm now here. So yeah. it is important that you tell the full story. You can't be at the end. You have to be from the start. And this is where Olympics.com is really important because we want to do the whole round, the whole human, not part of that human. Yeah. Um, and in terms of strategy, so as, one, uh, as being one of the biggest organizations in sports in the world, Who do you inspire yourself from? There are there are multiple organizations. NBA Plus are pretty good with content overall, and that at you know making sure that they get a lot of reach on their brand and making sure that there's a lot of eyeballs on their sport and their competition. FIFA Plus had a strategy around the World Cup. I think that there's a lot of depth talking to a, lo a little bit to the people in the FIFA Plus side. I think they have amazing ideas. I feel like it didn't. Um, The output wasn't as good as their strategy, uh, but yet they have great ideas. Who are you looking at? Who Who's doing a good job? And potentially who are smaller actors in the market that are doing a good job that you are inspired from? Um, yeah, just in the industry currently. 
I am inspired by everybody, from the NBA to the BBC to what NBC does, um, ESPN, um, in, on the African market, you know, GTV, um, Joy Sports. Um, it is important that you keep your eyes on the pause of every, what everybody else is doing. But most importantly, I'm inspired by our team because they go out there. They're part of those different sporting communities. So when we have our editorial meetings, everybody's coming with different ideas or things that they've learned when they're on, on the field, filming or at an event, um, and they come in together. But also we're inspired by the reaction of content from our audiences as well on a platform and across social media, you know, learning how they interact with us, what they like, what they don't like. Um, and you take all those little bits and pieces that I really enjoy. I enjoy NBA content because I'm a basketball fan. I also enjoy Premier League content because I'm also a Premier League fan. Um, and then I also check out EuroLeague because EuroLeague also tells story differently to what the NBA does. But, you know, like I always say, NBA is Hollywood and EuroLeague is real life. Um, so I take bits and pieces from them. It is important that you understand and also appreciate the work of others and take the best bits. You know, as they say, it's okay to copycat, just make it better. So you learn from other people and you bring it to the table and you say to the team, yo, I think we should try this out. The team might say, actually, but let's do this to, to change it, to make it better. Or it might say, Benny, we don't like it. Let's yeah. do this instead. But yes, for me and our team, we, we learn from others um, and then we make it better. But I am I, I do love NBA content. I love this, this new thing that you're doing where a game is happening. They've got a live um, kind of a live stream. They have yep. former players in the live stream. And then they have a player on the bench who's currently not playing or playing, feeding back in their quarters into the live stream. Like that's, that's, imagine doing that during the Olympic Games. That's, that's mad. That's what the new generation wants for sure. I mean, there's all sorts of legal elements and rules that make it complicated. It's, and, probably harder in European sports than in American sports. It's much more focused yeah. on entertainment, but that's exactly the experiences that the younger generations want, like that whole notion of participating uh, and feeling close to behind the scenes versus that standard 16 by nine yeah. produced content on linear. I love it. I, I love it so much. And in Africa, you know, Joy Sports, they do such an incredible job. Terrific. And a recommendation in terms of what show to watch, what piece of content inspired you, what book recently touched you in some kind of way that you could recommend to our audience? Oh, wow. Okay. I think for me, let me get it for you. Can I get it for you? Give me one second. Let me get a book. I want to get it for you. So it will have to be, for me, two books. Um, Black Cake, um, which is an amazing story about two siblings losing their parents and finding common ground and coming together. And then also this one. I don't know if you can see it. It's called The Dawn of Everything, A New mm -hmm. History of Humanity. And I think with what we do in sports, sometimes we forget this part. Um, and I guess over the last two years, we've learned a lot more in regards to the lockdown um, <clears throat> with the COVID and athletes and their mental health. You know, we forget that these people, these incredible people are humans. Yeah. Um, and especially what we, what I do in regards to telling your story, it is important that we tell the full story and not part of the story. And I think this book really reminds us of our humanity and everything we do, why we should remember first that we're humans first and not 
anything else? Athlete, yeah, for, yeah, athletes for the wider audience. It's a funny one. I was asked earlier this year, where do I think there's the most room for uh, sports growth uh, uh, and technologies? And I said mental health. I think that it's something that's completely untapped. And having a, a, a brother who's a professional football player and that whole dynamic of how somebody feels at any given point and how ready they are to face a big crowd or not at any given point and all those elements of that mental stability and not be too high on highs and too lows on lows is something that is yeah. really has a lot of potential, I think. Uh, and it's something that we need to really pay attention to. You know, we forget athletes are performing at such a higher level than most of us. Um, and then when they retire, kind of the impact of that as well, we forget that. And, you know, there's, there's talk about NFL players, or NBA players, when they retire two years, three years down the line, most of them either lose their money or they suffer some kind of a mental breakdown. But that happens across majority of sports. So the conversation of humanity and mental health becomes pinnacle for us as industry leaders to also put that in kind of in mind when we talk about how we make content, create content, how we are telling the athlete's story, how we're even engaging with the athletes. It is really important that we don't forget that. Appreciate it. Um, had a blast, uh, Benny. It was really fun exchanging with you for the last uh, for the last 45 minutes. I hope you enjoyed it as well. I did. I did. Thank you so much. Your face is just like... Well, thank you very much, Benny. I, I, I there's a lot of key takeaways. Um, we're very excited that we had a chance to to chat with you and uh, wish you all the best leading into uh, creating great content until Paris 2024. I truly appreciate it. And thank you so much for, for having me on the podcast um, and allowing me to talk about incredible work with my team at OCS. Looking forward right. to it. Thank you very much, Benny. And thank you everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't hesitate to share around you. Uh, make some noise around it on the usual platforms. Uh, and we'll see you soon for a new episode. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoy it as much as we love creating them. If you like the episode, feel free to comment, rate, and share with people around you. You can visit our website, www.lastsource.io, to learn more about our activities. You will discover a wide range of articles and can subscribe to our newsletter to receive the latest tech and sports news in your mailbox every month. Stay tuned for new episodes. Le Corner.